This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Lauren Gold, Marketing Director at Kava. Lauren, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing great. Well, as great as you can do during COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic. Today, a lot of businesses around the globe are going through pretty much the same process, the process of adaptation to the new economy influenced by COVID-19. And we believe one of the best ways to help people to cope with it is to share other businesses' experiences. And this is why in this episode, we have Lauren from Kava to tell us about how his company manages this crisis. Let's begin with something else. Lauren, tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. So I'm uh, originally from a marketing agency background and have experience in a multitude of agencies working across a whole variety of stuff. So uh, I worked on a lot of um, Nokia's launches back in the day and -hmm. subsequently watched them uh, and including their switch to Windows Phone and subsequently their their demise from the the phone market. Also did a bit of stuff for Barclay Card and uh, I did a lot of stuff for premium vodka brands. And then I eventually realized that I really disliked working for clients. And a couple friends, myself at the time, were working on an idea, which was Double, uh, which which is a business that I founded, which was uh, essentially, it was a Tinder for uh, for double dates. It, w- it was a dating app. The whole idea was that it would be, there is a lot of pressure for uh, you to, to perform when you're on your own, be it in a live chat or on a date. And the whole idea of Double would be that uh, it was more fun, less awkward, and, and safe and people would naturally just be more themselves because they would have the, you know, the support of a friend uh, who would come along, who would be both in the chat and uh, come along with the date. Did that for about two years. A spoiler, it did not work out in the end. Dating industry is very difficult to, uh, to make money in. And it was one of these things where it was just, there was no real path to, it was a good idea and it was a very easy sell, but the, there was no like long-term business model there. So, and and had to shut that down, which was, a, you know, an experience in itself. And I think if anybody has the unfortunate ability to do that, you know, you'll learn, you'll learn a lot from that process. And then I was looking for my next thing, and uh, that's when that's when Kava came along. Never thought in a million years I would be working in insurance, uh, let alone like really enjoying it and passionate about it. But I am one of those people now, and uh, I've been at Kava for uh, just under uh, four years now. Awesome, pretty diverse uh, path, I should say, from Nokia to vodka brand to dating and now insurance. You take really. <laughs> different angles on this life and different perspectives. It's you never know what your next uh, endeavor will be. That's, that's for sure. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think one of the benefits is, I mean, if you, uh, if you can, it's like working in an, in uh, like an agency is like really, really tough. And it's usually lowly played, but, uh, you know, pretty uh, poor pay, but you do get experience into like uh, exposures, like a lot of different varying clients and who are all operating in, in, in very different things. And so you, you can actually learn a lot from doing that. So it's, it is like a very useful experience to go through. 
Right, right. Lauren, I can tell you firsthand um, experience. I used to work for the uh, digital marketing agency as well, so I know exactly what you're saying. That's yeah. that's totally, uh, I totally understand what you mean. Now, let's talk about Kava. Can you give us a quick uh, intro what the company does? Sure. So we are a, a UK-based insurance startup uh, currently focusing on uh, motor insurance. And mm-hmm. uh, we our, our main product is one that is, it, it's called short-term insurance uh, for, for people that aren't uh, familiar with the UK insurance market. Essentially, unlike most countries uh, where they insure the car, not the driver, uh, over here you uh, in the UK, you insure the driver on a specific part the car. So you can't just someone else just can't jump in and uh, borrow that car from you. So, like getting to, allowing lending your car to someone is like a very a tricky process that often involves either the owner ringing up the insurer, and you have this very awkward situation where you are speaking to your insurance company, and then the person who wants to borrow your car is telling them the details that you, they need to get to the insurer. But the insurer doesn't want to speak to them because they don't have access to your account, and the whole thing's just like very cumbersome. And oftentimes, they won't be able to quote you or like the minimum you. Can buy is like a, a three to six months worth of worth of cover. Then you have a third party option, which is what we do. Mm-hmm. Before we came along, uh, it was a very niche industry and just very, very, very poorly sold. So, I mean, if you think insurance is antiquated in general, the the short term incumbents are like even more basic. So, and it, again, it's just like there's no a very cumbersome process. You always have to, if, even if you want to borrow for an hour, the minimum you could get, you could buy for a day. They would forget all your details because in the world of insurance, no one really has figured out a way to create an account because they're just very technologically backwards. So the, the it's just not very quick and easy to use. So we come along, our founder, Freddie, had the idea. He was like, well, because he was faced with this problem where he was constantly trying to get coverage on other people's car. And he was like, it would just be so, why can't I just get insured on a car, like getting an Uber or ordering a Deliveroo where I just open my phone, open an app on my phone, and I'm insured very quickly. And he was like, actually, that's a really good idea. And he looked into it, and the idea was Cover was born. And essentially what we do is we allow anyone to just quickly download our app, and they set up an account, remember all your details. So we only uh, we have a policy of we only ask a question once and only once. So there's none of this like constantly re-entering information. And you can get insured anywhere from an hour up to 28 days. And once you have to set up an account, which takes two minutes, then you know after that, it takes you less than 30 seconds to, to get insured. And the, the whole idea is that it should be uh, quick, easy, and hassle-free. And, you know, it's rather than you being, uh, you having to work around the insurer, our whole ethos is that we work around the customer because of the, for, for far too long, customers have been ignored and bullied by the insurers when, in fact, they're the ones paying the money and keeping the insurers in business and it should be the other way around and the insurers should be like a very a customer-focused industry. So so that's what we do. And we're, we're currently in the process of building out a, like a, an annual motor equivalent. So that's like the standard car insurance policy you would buy in your own car, uh, which we're hoping to launch in the next month or so. I see. Cool. Let's talk about not as cool part of uh, today's reality. How do you navigate COVID-19 situation right now? How the company was affected by the whole thing? 
Yeah, so it's a it's an interesting one. Basically, our app is based on movement, so we've we've obviously taken a hit, although not as much as we anticipated, which mm-hmm. we're we're quite lucky about it. I think we're in a very fortunate position where insurance is a necessity good, and then a lot of the government legislation has actually kind of worked in our favor to some extent, whereby there's been like a massive focus on getting people off of public transport, but then people still need to get to work. So then they end up, you know, uh, coming to uh, alternatives like us and, you know, borrowing someone else's car to make that journey that they would otherwise make on uh, a public transport. And I, I think kind of what I would say that we've done quite well in this pandemic is that we oh, took action uh, quite early and we were, uh, I think, about quite measured. So we we looked at, you know, what is a, oh, a Potential, potential good scenario was a what is like a worst case scenario, and then we 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 made decisions on what we figured out would kind of be like the situation in between, and we've been pretty on on top of that, and I and I think for us in the long term this is actually going to play out very well because I think it's forced us to become a lot more focused in what we in what we do and a lot more and also it opens up people's uh, eyes to kind of like the uh, the wider world uh, around them uh, I, I led a an example would be a lot of people think, including myself, thought that they couldn't possibly work from home and it just wasn't, you know, was a conceivable uh, option. Whereas like now having to go through that, I actually realize that it's, you know, it is a pretty manageable solution. And I think the same thing in terms of like how people, uh, how people travel, how people get from point A to point B, uh, there, a lot more people are considering about like, you know, uh, the now that they've have been forced to about looking at different various options about how they can actually do that beyond what they did uh, pre, uh, uh, pre-COVID-19. So your business goes twofold, uh, temporary uh, car uh, insurance and travel insurance. Do I, I wonder, do you still see any demand for travel insurance or basically no. one zero? No, uh, travel insurance is the one that was only making up a relatively, uh, in comparison, like a, it's a new product, so like a, a small mm-hmm. amount of our sales. And mm-hmm. uh, the we took the decision along with our insurer to uh, turn that off because otherwise you get into like these kind of situations where you are... Uh, people are taking out policies and it's not clear whether or not the insurer is going to uh, pay out. Like even insurers that have the, the absolutely the best intentions, they, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business. And if something like this happens and, you know, not only are you getting people who have medical bills, but then you're paying for flight cancellations and, you know, it's getting very difficult to get people from point A to point B when otherwise it would just be as simple as like, oh, we'll just put them on the next flight uh, or we'll just put them in a hotel. But, you know, now there's no flights, there's no hotels to be booked. It, it becomes very difficult. So we, again, relatively early on, it, it was decision was made to turn that product off for, you know, until the, we get more back to normal. I see. It totally, totally makes sense. Now let's talk about marketing. So what are marketing techniques uh, do you find helpful for your business now? What works? What works is we have really ramped up the amount of user research that we do because basically we were, it was business as usual. And uh, then this whole thing out and suddenly it's like everything that you know gets kind of thrown out the window and we have to figure out it's like, okay, so, you know, 
if from what messaging now works in this new environment and like what what you know what do we need to how do we need to change our approach to advertising and what messages are those customers going to respond to what the customers that we're getting into now how are they different from the customers that we're getting into before and and what changes are we making and you know how do we get them to respond and that that's meant that we've had to change the type of creatives we're running and the type of messaging that we're putting out and then also then testing out new channels as well one of the I'm like a very, uh, I'm always a glass half full uh, type of character. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always see that, you know, in, in times of volatility, there's there's real opportunity there. And I think one of the things that we have is that we're, we're much more focused on our uh, test and learn approach. And uh, we've really managed to uh, scale that up out of, uh, out of force very quickly. And I think we're definitely reaping the benefits of it. And then it's just about looking at where do we think our our customers are at at the moment. So is it we're, we're just about to start trialing a new campaign on, uh, you know, the neighborhood network next door to see if that works? Because mm-hmm. kind of, there, there seems to be a sense where you've got a lot of people at home. You know you know that everyone's at home. You know that their cars are parked on the street. And then there's going to be like, a you know, those, those cars are only going to be owned by some people living in that neighborhood. So what if you could uh, create a situation where the people are on there and then you can start advertising a need where it's like people can borrow other people's cars. And then you just push this message of like how to use that responsibly mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. so go ahead no no that's it yeah so uh that's that's awesome uh so and in terms of uh, specific channels it's uh, all, all over the place social media marketing app store optimization etc yeah so it is um in terms of uh what we had scheduled to be running live right now and what we actually have like now that that's had to shift so we were there was going to be a big focus this year about testing out new traditional channels so we had a big radio campaign that was scheduled we were seriously considering about going on to uh, going on to tv mm-hmm. uh, that radio campaign's been pushed out we've decided against uh, going on to tv and then it's just about how are people figuring out how people are spending their time so again back to the next door example we were having provisional conversations with them, but then we're like, I bet engagement on that's gone up quite dramatically. And indeed it has. So it's like, okay, it definitely makes sense to work on that. And then the same thing, we've, we're now testing out TikTok as well because uh, our, our user base is quite young. So Snapchat is like a channel that works out extremely well for us. So, and now we're t- trying out TikTok because there's obviously, there's a lot of engagement on that app right now. So it makes sense that, you know, our, it would be a relevant fit for our demographic. So we'll, we'll get, we'll give that a go. All right, I see. Uh, so what if we co- compare uh, this year and the last year? Can you recall what was the most uh, effective marketing channel? What was the effective marketing step you took back in 2018 that you saw the biggest positive outcome from? And what about this year? Can you name something that is working right now, like as of this May? Sure. So in, I think our two big wins on for 2019 were one of them's a bit boring, which is Google AdWords, PPC. We, we finally managed to, to get that to work for us and we were able to scale that uh, uh, very successfully and that worked quite well. It's obviously quite difficult attribution-wise. It's quite difficult to um, run a web-based PPC campaigns because a lot of because it's insurance, people want to go to the website first before they download the app because it's just like mm-hmm. an app's a very, mm-hmm. just very brand new idea in, in the world of insurance. So we've got to take these people on this very convoluted journey where they go to the website first and then they download the app. And that's been very difficult to connect up. We finally figured out how to do that last year and we've seen a lot of success with that. And then more interestingly, although a little bit less glamorous, is in motorway service stations where you go to you know uh, fill up with petrol and uh, uh, you know take a break from, from driving uh, like mm-hmm. average 
advertising in the in the urinals there. And that's basically there was an idea where it's like, well, the the product really works the best when you have someone who is like, you know, has immediate access to a car. And we're like, well, you know, we know these places that the only way you can get there is by is via a car. So let, let's give that a go. And that's just been very, very successful. And the major problem with that is that there's just not enough scale, like the oh, that channel doesn't really scale as much as uh, like something like a, a Facebook or a, a, a Google AdWords uh, would do. So we're, we're kind of maxing out at that moment, but it's just like these traditional channels that you would kind of like you you wouldn't think would be worth doing sometimes are and uh you know can can be very effective as for uh, as for 2020 i think our, our biggest uh, success would be and this isn't a specific uh, channel it's more of basically making sure that we're constantly testing and learning and we constantly have like a really uh, strong feedback loop uh, of with the with the user research team at the company because otherwise we're kind of just making assumptions of what we think will work and uh, won't work and you know you'll ultimately run get into a situation where perhaps some of the creatives that you're running you know whilst they are it's just very much business as usual and the whole process gets a little bit stale and it's about let's you know, let's figure out ways where we can a understand what the user wants, and then you know figure out cheaply and efficiently how we test that. And also, then it's also about stuff that we think might work, and you know perhaps is like a little bit uh, outside of the box, and seeing if that works as well. And it's like you know making sure that you have the right balance between the two. I see. Now, what you can tell ad brands in general, like companies who find themselves hit the hardest by this pandemic, people who have a hard time to see what actually they should do right now when, in fact, demand on their apps has dropped dramatically. What would you suggest to these people? So I think it's about, as I, as I said before, I think in times of volatility, there's real opportunity there. And I think it's about making sure that you're, you're in, in, in communication with your, with your users and figuring out what they want to do. I mean, so I think that you, you have the, the situation in the, in the travel industry where that whole that whole business is like pretty much disappeared overnight. But then you also have, on the other hand, you have a situation where people are at home and bored and wishing that they could, you know, go out and explore. So it's just like there is definitely my feeling is, is that in, in, a, in an industry like that, you might not be selling a lot, but you could. There is like a real content opportunity there where you're like, you know, focusing more on building up content and educating people about the the, the places that they want to go when hopefully things do resume as normal. And mm-hmm. then they you can either figure out a way to monetize that or you can you become like front of mind when they actually go and, and booking that trip and they do it and they do it with you rather than, you know, whoever comes up on Google first. Think in advance, uh, think out of the box, think long-term about the time when things will resume to normal, as you're saying. That's a good advice. Now I have a few so-called quick rapid-fire questions for you uh, specifically. So here we go. Are you iOS or Android person? iOS. Okay, I'm taking out one more tick box because I'm asking this question to every guest. And so far, iOS is number one. <laughs> do you remember your first mobile phone? I do. I, I had to actually look it up, but it was an Ericsson uh, T28. So from this, this shows my age. But uh-huh. uh, it was, I got it when I was 13, and it had this very cool feature where you would uh, push a button on the side, and the, the the phone would flip down, and that's how you would take a call. Wow! <laughs> what a feature! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
No, it's still, it may get back at some point in the future. Um, <laughs> what, is, what is your favorite app now? My favorite app now, I think that, uh, that's a great question. I think it's probably going to be pre-COVID-19, uh, it would be like City Mapper. I think they do a really good job at a like re- understanding their product and who their marketing is uh, and, and who their customer is and how they market to them effectively. And and, and the same thing for I'm my, probably my favorite app at the moment is, is Waze. So we'll, we'll, so we'll continue on to the navigation theme. And I think because those are two apps where in a sea of, there's like a, a ton of apps, especially ones by Apple and Google who that do all exactly the same thing. And they create their own uh, their own little, uh, quite large niche uh, for themselves, just by really leaning into something and making sure that they do it very well, rather than an Apple or Google, which tries to do everything. And they, you know, it's a little bit half-hearted. And they're just very good. It's like you would never use City Mapper to get driving directions, and you would never use Waze to use navigate on public transport. But it's it's like they have this ability to stay front of mind when you want. So if I want to go to point A to point B on uh, public transport, City, City Mapper is the first point of call. And uh, even though I can get that through Apple Maps or, or Google, and then like whenever I'm driving, uh, you know, I'll immediately use Waze, even though I can do that through the, the, the get the exact same functionality through Google Maps and Apple Maps. So, and I, I think there was a lot to say about trying to focus on one specific thing rather than trying to do everything. I see. I love ways to, uh, that's, that's one of my favorite apps too. In fact, mm-hmm. now it's kind of uh, the opposite question. What about the overrated app? An app you can hear about, but, um, to be honest, uh, I don't think this app deserves all this hype about, is there any app like this for you? Yeah, so I think with this, it's. If, I don't know if you remember, there was an app called Yo uh, about four years ago, and mm. essentially it was. It started out as a gimmick. Uh-huh. It was an app you download it, and it, all you you could just yo someone. So there would be a contacts, and you could just send them a yo, and that was it. And it was just they just were. It went viral, and they were that like the peak of like Silicon Valley's social network investing, and they raised ten million, and ultimately went on to do nothing. And I've always just been amazed at. Uh, I mean, the the founder must have been a fantastic salesman to be able to get that over. Exactly, it's just a, like great how they could raise so much money on the app that <laughs> just basically did nothing. A crazy world of venture capital. <laughs> I know exactly. Um, yeah, let's just talk a bit about future. Are are there any, any app technologies you're most excited about? Are you waiting for some app tech that is on the horizon? So, in in terms of like specific app tech, I'm quite excited for like Apple has hinted that they are uh, doing uh, instant apps like on Google where you can, mm-hmm. the user can interact with a portion of the app uh, before having to download it. I think that will be very, very cool. And more broadly, the one I'm quite uh, excited about is the the wearables and uh, smart home technology markets. I, I'm a relatively a doctor. Uh, I just got an Apple Watch at Christmas. I absolutely love it. I think it's great. Sure, there's security concerns. I'm sending all my data to Apple, but I'm going to assume that they're uh, it's fully anonymized and trust them. Uh, but I think that's going to be a big field, and, and like you know, you're going to have a um, people are just going to want to know more and more about how their bodies are performing and uh, be looking to and to wearables to deliver that. And then in terms of uh, smart home technology, I think this is there. There's a lot of um, this is very overhyped, and I, I don't think the technology is really there yet and implemented in a way that it could currently work. So I think a classic example of like the Q lights, great idea. It's a really cool gadget, but it's like, why would you replace 
all the lights in your house when you actually just need to replace the light switch to turn them off and on. It makes no sense to uh, to do it that way. And, and so I think it's, and then there's like a lot of, there needs to be a lot of more consolidation there to, to get like a suite that actually, uh, that actually works well together. But those are the ones I'm uh, most, uh, most interested in at the moment. I see. Great. Uh, now before I let you go, how can people get to know more about what uh, Kappa does? Sure. Well, you can listen to this podcast uh, and then you can download our app through the uh, App Store or Play Store, uh, or you can go to www.cava.com. That's great. Thanks a lot for your time and coming on our podcast, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye-bye. And that was Lauren Gold, Marketing Director at Kava. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. And also remember, all episodes will be available on businessofapps.com as well. Till the next time. Bye. This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data, and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.